Awesome. Um, yeah, this morning I have the privilege of introducing a guest to you who's going to be uh, teaching this morning. We are in a series right now uh, that I'm just calling the Great Commission. And I believe that we're in a season where God's invited us to be praying and seeking his heart for where Missio is to engage uh, in some next steps and next places of making disciples um, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And uh, this morning we have a guest. His name is Pastor Yu. Uh, he's been a pastor and a missionary for many, many years. I won't put a number out. I'll, I'll have him share with you. But he's the uh, Director of Missions Mobilization for WEC, which is uh, an organization, again, which he'll share more about. But they're doing uh, missions work all over the world for many generations. Really beautiful, powerful work. Um, and I've wanted Dr. Yu to share a number of times uh, throughout the years. We've kind of missed each other, if you will, in, in the opportunity. But it aligned uh, today for that to happen, and I'm really grateful because it at the beginning of the summer, uh, he, he approached me and said, hey, here's some dates I have. And it actually fell right in this time when we were talking about the Great Commission. So to me, I believe God aligned something in that. I'm looking forward to what the Lord's going to share through his word and through the vision that Dr. Yu will share. And so, uh, Missy, would you welcome with me um, Dr. Yu to come and, and share the word this morning? Good morning. I've been attending this church for several years as an audience, but today I'm standing as a speaker or resource person. Thank you for giving us this time. Uh, shall we all read together one Bible verse, only one Bible verse? <clears throat> okay, look, chapter 10, verse 2. Can we read all together? One, two, three. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. As Pastor mentioned shortly, myself, we are working with WEC internationalists, actually started in Britain one of the global mission agencies, and WEC stands for Worldwide Evangelization for Christ. <clears throat> Actually started 1913 by this man, Charles Sturt, one of the Cambridge Sevens, CT we call CT Sturt. And currently uh, we have around 2,200 2, long-term missionaries from 60 different nationals, then working over 90 different countries in all over the world. Mostly, we are focusing for church planting ministry. And uh, we also produce a book called Operation World. This is we work, we produce this book. So this book is a kind of mission information we call mission encyclopedia. So <clears throat> this man, he said, this is really an awesome book. <laughs> yeah, then this man, he said, that's exactly what I was going to say. Then this man, he said, I agree. Yeah, anyway, so this is a quite important book. I really encourage you to read it, to get the prayer information from this book. Anyway, actually the author of Patrick Johnson, one of my organization missionaries, actually is my mentor. And then my co-speakers, we are moving together, but Sadly, now he's 82. He can't go out anymore to overseas. But mostly, he present or he uh, give his uh, seminar through Zoom or internet. Anyways, <clears throat> my wife and my family, my two kids, initially, we joined this organization quite some years ago. And uh, we were sent country called Africa, the Gambia, West Africa, small country, Muslim dominated, one of the poorest nations. 
I would say. And then uh, we, the time we went into Africa, we had uh, two girls, but by God's grace, we had one more girl. Now we have three girls. So then uh, we worked in Africa for many years, then we were sent back to Korea. But I don't want to go so deep about this. World mission before, I'm going to share about this. World mission before. Actually, uh, around two centuries ago, maybe longer, mostly European, I would say British people, they really did very, very important mission role for world mission movement. Then, next, North America, you people here, North American churches, they really did even more missionaries. They really sent out more missionaries to all over the world, actually. Then, almost same time, the Oceanians, Australians and New Zealanders, they also sent large numbers of missionaries to all over the world. Then, Korea, my country. Korea is not Western country, you know that. One day when I have another chance, I may share about some very, very interesting stories about how the Korean church participate. And then now, as you know, that Korean church is world's second largest missionary sending countries. But now also we have, we are confronted some the challenges, but I will share later if I have another chance. Anyways, well, World mission today, if we go into world mission today, there are some exciting things, but challenges everywhere. Recently, January this year, I visited WEC UK base. <clears throat> WEC UK base is our, in a sense, the first kind of sending base in our organization. 2000, just this century, early of this century, the numbers of UK-based WEC missionaries in UK was over 500 people, actually. But not 200 passed, only 20 years passed. Now, this, this year, the numbers dropped, a little bit over 200. Maybe actual number on field is maybe less than that. And then also, <clears throat> U.S., WEC U.S., we used to have around 270 members in our organization. But if U.K., U.S., the numbers are almost same curve, declining, declined like that. Australia and Germany, all our members, all our WEC members, and then <clears throat> Canada or many other countries like it. Switzerland, Netherlands, all exactly same curve, or not exactly, but very similar curve is declining at the moment. I don't have much time to share why the numbers are declining like that. Then now what about this one? Recently, we, I met some one of the leadership of IMB. I don't know, some of you working IMB, international, I mean, we call Southern Baptist Mission, one of the most, most uh, well-known mission organizations internationally in U.S. Once their numbers are over 5,000 members, but now if you go into IMB, their statistics around 3,000. If you go into net numbers on field, much less than that. Well, Korean mission, Korean mission movement, as I said, Korea is the second largest missionary sending countries at the moment. But the Korean mission now, I'm from Korea last week. So actually we have confronted some challenges too. Korean missionary numbers are declining rapidly now. Maybe in 10 years time, I would say Korean mission situation is very much like a Western mission movement, I would say. That's why I put 2030 just like a question mark. <clears throat> mission is not yet complete. Mission. We need actually more and more workers for world mission. That's why 
Jesus says, harvest is plentiful. Harvest is plentiful. It's true. But the mission numbers, major missionary sending countries, they're all struggling at the moment. Numbers of missionaries. So, we, this is only one, one of the mission agencies like WEC. WEC is only one of mission organizations. We realized this situation, so we formed a team called International Mission Mobilization Ministry Team. We call IMM, 2010, 13 years ago. So we, we lead, we start to lead this mission uh, kind of mobilization team. So IMM stands for International Mission Mobilization. So new missionary forces looking for and mobilizing and training and sending to the mission field, needy mission field. And we, this is because I'm the director, so we had to start ministry in Korea, main office in Korea, Seoul. And then we sent our mobilization team in Thailand, Chiang Mai, Thailand for Chinese missionary trainings. We expected quite numbers of Chinese missionaries will be going out. So that's why experienced workers, we send them based in Chiang Mai, Thailand to provide the training for Chinese people. But now they are a bit struggling because of the coming out from people China. Anyways, I don't want to go so deep. Then we also established team in Philippines. And then team in, they actually for most of our kind of uh, uh, training and uh, running candidate orientations the people in our team <clears throat> and then team in india no mostly northeast india and team in vietnam i don't want i don't know we like go into deeper what's going on in vietnam but just is our team there and then romania and then even Pakistan, I have some word, but I don't think I can share. Pakistan, sending a missionary home, you will see. Myanmar, and all those areas we have sent our mobilization teams. Then, we, as a mobilizers, we, especially like myself, one of the mobilizers, we do mobilization ministry in many, many countries. I don't want to go every country because of time limitation, but just give you some insights. What is going on? Certain places, you might be surprised what is going on those places. These are not Western countries, neither Korean country either. Anyways, we call Northeast India. They're Indians. They are India, but quite slightly different areas. People are different. Mainland Indians and Northeast Indians, we call. This is mainland India, and then these are Northeast India. <clears throat> so this, as you see that these people, they look like typical Indians. When you say Indians, yes, mostly like that. But Northeast Indians, they are Indians, but they are slightly different appearances, like here. Look like Chinese or Koreans or Tibetans or Burmese, like that. They are Northeast Indians. So we go into Northeast India. There are seven states, but we couldn't go. But most of other states, four of them, there are three of them, they are quite different religions, but four of them, state called Nagaland state, state called Manipur state, and Mizoram state, and Meghalaya state. We just, we just go four states. And then the mobilizing team, they said, we're going up to the mountain for mobilization. First time I said, why do you go to mountain? He said, just wait. 
So we asked the, the local on step, we said, how far, how long will it take? He said, distance is not far, only 70, over 70 miles. But to get there, you know how many hours? It took seven hours. You can imagine the bad road conditions. Mostly the road is quite windy, windy and unpaved. Quite, quite. Sometimes our car was passing above the cloud. What? Wow, it was, why did we go? <laughs> and then muddy swamp areas. It took hours and hours. And then because of unpaved road, if the car running ahead of us is dusty, covered, unless we, you know, overpass the cars. And then sometimes dust and the diesel smoke together. You can experience, you will see what happened. Anyways, then we keep asking, why do we go up to the mountain? It used to be like headhunters' villages. 100 years ago. Headhunters lived on the mountain top like that. But now, you know, you, you will see what happened. We, it's the same villages, it's the same villages. Now, those villages, 95% of those villages, they are believers, mostly baptism, bapt oh, sorry, Baptist believers. You can see the heights, 4,000, 757 feet. Look, this place, this place, you can see the heights. Over 6,000 feet high on mountain top. There's a church. You know the church? You will see the, how big is the church? 9,000 feet. I don't know how many seats sitting capacity, <laughs> 9,000 seats on the mountain top. Can you believe that? 9,000 seaters. If you go into the church, we've been to that church many times, the red roof. There are numbers 30,000 members. Can you believe? 30,000. Even the choirs, you can, can you believe that? Mountain top. All those mountain tops. Christians. Is it real? Is it real city? Mizoram people, most of those inhabitants, they are Presbyterians. Mountain top cities. And look, look at a plain field, but actually that height is over 5,000 feet. Shilong. 70% of the populations, they are believers. Methodist, Presbyterians, or Baptists. This church, I led this church for three, two and a half days mission conference. So one day, I sat with the pastor, senior pastor of this church. I asked him, how old is this church? He said, 60 years. Then I said, how many members? He said, regular attendance on Sunday, 25,000. So as a foreign speaker, I asked him, okay, 60 years old, 25,000 members. How many missionaries have you sent out overseas? Suddenly, the pastor was very embarrassed. Oh, uh, overseas missionaries? Oh, we haven't. But as far as I know, some of my church members, they are supporting some missionaries, not from my own church. So I was quite, myself, I was quite surprised and embarrassed. I, we asked him, Pastor, is it possible 60 years old church 
with 25,000 members, no mission is sent out. That's not right. Pastor, senior pastor, he didn't say any word. He just glanced at me with an embarrassing face. Then, three months later, this pastor stepped down from the pastorship. And uh, he looked older than me, but actually he's uh, three years younger than myself. <laughs> yes. The pastor decided to become missionaries. So he joined our candidate orientation course 2018 for three months, living together, cleaning together, praying together, learning together with his children's aged classmates for three, three months. So I challenged him, Pastor, don't become a, look, don't, you don't, I don't want you to go out to missionary to overseas. Stay here in India and mobilize Bible schools and seminaries and churches. He do it. He does it. So wherever I go, at times, he become my interpreters where English training uh, interpretation needed. Anyways, so this church, this is not this Indian church. They do service, I don't know how many times, on Sunday. Because whole cities, whole towns are believers. So that you see here, seminaries, Bible colleges. Did you know, in Korea, last year, 2022, 2023, that intakes, only two seminaries, they were able to recruit all the students, but 80%, 90% of Korean Bible schools, theological seminaries, they could not recruit their students. I am very much sure these things will be the same here in U.S. Dozens of dozens of Bible colleges and theological seminaries, they closed in Europe, in Britain, because of students. No students. But here, notice India, if you go, Bible colleges and students, mostly, basically, three to 400 students. They all accommodated in their dormitories, Monday to Saturdays, pray together, study together, eating together. And every Bible colleges, you will see that students, packed, full of students. This is very unique, unique situation. And then you see the Northeast Indian, they look like just like Koreans. After the preaching, the old church leaderships, we took pictures together. Look, they look like Koreans or Asians. They are Indians. And uh, even they're dressing up on Sunday, very traditional way, very conservative. Most of the men, they're wearing ties and suits. You see, that is a notice in the air. And then even that people, they wanted to have a big mission conference. So initially, they planned 6,000 people on the ground. But the government security officer says, as a foreign speaker, having this large gathering in open field is not safe. You need reduced numbers and go into the kind of inside some buildings, but they don't have such a big building, so they make a temporary, you know, the covering tents outside. Never happened other countries. Never happened here in Britain, uh, in, here in U.S. Never happened in Korea either. But these people said, all the leaders, they gather together to know about mission. This is what we call new wave. One country, one place, one area is now 
declining down, but the Lord is raising one of the place. Because he needs harvest workers. <clears throat> Did you know? If I said, if I bring this Indonesia, so many, many words. But next time, Indonesia. I would say next mission movement in terms of missionary numbers or actively sending missionaries to the field, I would say I can predict Indonesia is going to be next missionary sending country like the US. You will see that. Indonesia, did you know that Indonesia, Christian population, of course, altogether over 40,000 members. Did you know that? 25,027,000 27, members, they are Protestants in Indonesia. So if, if you go to Indonesia too, wow, every, you see that this church, they do Sunday service, how many times, Pastor? 11 services. I couldn't participate. Only I, I was able to speak four, four sermons, four services. Different places, same time, simultaneously. 11 services. What other countries like that? You see, the most of them, they look like young people. They are not young people's service. General Sunday morning service. Start from Sunday morning, 6 o'clock till Sunday evening, 9 o'clock. What? No. Go and see, Pastor. You have to see. Even this morning before I came, I was quite worried about your projection systems. But Indonesian church, wow. They are very, very sophisticated. Speakers and pictures together, you can see them. Same time. Wow. That's Indonesian church. By evening service, every Bible schools. As I said, number of students, six to seven hundred students. These people, they come for mission seminars out of six hundred, seven hundred. Indonesia. Can you see my wife sitting here? <laughs> I'm in front. Anyways. And then did you know? Pakistan, I said. Pakistan. It's 96% of the population, they are Muslims. What missionary mobilization going on there? <laughs> but if you go Pakistan, city called Lahore, I don't have here. Lahore, second largest city in Pakistan. In Lahore itself, 40, 40 Bible colleges, did you know that? 4,000 churches, did you know that? Half billion believers, they said, challenge us. Challenge us mission. We will go to our neighboring country, which is very much like, you know, we call affinity countries. Afghanistan and Iran and Tajikistan. Language similarities. They said they keep asking to come and challenge our mission. Here, these people, they said, we will go. Challenges mission. We will go. Here, churches, population, Protestants, seminaries, Bible colleges. They said, challenges mission. We'll go to our neighboring countries, to Afghanistan and Iran and Tajikistan. We Koreans, I think Americans too, you're not able to go into Afghanistan. But these people, neighboring, our villages is Pakistan, your village is Afghanistan. You can see, they're the right people to go. So we, those people, they are now actively mobilizing. And they said, there are quite big response to the churches, please, and come and share about world mission, they said. 
Did you know Egypt? I don't want to go too much, but Arab, Arab people, foreigners going to Arab mission is very, very challenging. But the best people for Arab people is Arabs. We call Arabs to Arab. Arab missionaries to Arab people. So that's why we send our team in Egypt, Cairo. And then they do basically now, they, they run almost year-round Cairo's course in Egypt. Quite, quite amazing responses from the local churches and young people in Egypt. We'll see. Sooner or later, you'll see quite some numbers coming. Already we have kind of some Egyptian missionaries joined our team, our organization. Kairos course. You see, Kairos in Egypt. And people responding to mission. And did you know about Vietnam? Vietnam, when you heard about Vietnam, oh, Vietnam is a communist country. Yes, true. But in Vietnam, you, did you know that 70% of Vietnamese are youth? Not like Korea. And then, Christian population, they said, two million in Vietnam. Churches, they said, over 3,000 churches in Vietnam. 2017, this man, Franklin Graham, son of Billy Graham, he wanted to crusade in Vietnam. And the Vietnamese church, they said, sir, you better do it in southern part. It's a major city called Ho Chi Minh City because around there, there are many believers. So if you do your crusade meeting in Ho Chi Minh City, you would have many large numbers to attend. But Franklin says, no, I just come here to evangelize Vietnamese. I don't need to go down where the Christians are. I won't go where there is no Christians. So he decided to do in Hanoi instead of Ho Chi Minh. So people thought, well, maybe several hundred people will attend. But you know what happened? For two days, mission crusade. Thirty-five thousand people gathered. The convention they prepared was they couldn't cover it. So people sitting outside of the conventions. 35 people, 35,000 people, out of 35,000, 4,000 people, they said they come out to accept Jesus Christ. This has never happened in other countries. This is Vietnam. Did you know that? God is working. And then we do Bible schools and churches training and challenging missions. The way of their worshiping they have, the way of their responding is not different from yours. Day and night, they want to listen, they want to hear about world mission. And they tears. Even without altar calls, they come out by themselves, send me. Wow, surprising. That's Vietnam. Yeah, I have so many words. This is CNMA Church. I don't you you didn't miss CNMA. CNMA is a denomination dominating denomination in Vietnam. This is CNMA seminary in Ho Chi Minh City. Before COVID, the school offered us to come for one month to provide mission seminars. I said that's too much, too long. Finally, we decided for to give. One week, twice we did. There's some responding in Vietnam, Vietnamese church. Shenmue theological seminaries, you see, it's amazing responding, and this our mobilization team in Vietnam. Look, we through our mobilization ministry in WEC. 
four years because of COVID, we could not do it. But actually, we start to invite these people into our organization exactly from 2016. Before that, we just visit and make a relationship and challenged. Then from 2016, we start to accept them into our organization. Then, three or over three years, we couldn't do it. But even though, so far, you know how many people they have joined our organization from those countries. 150 new workers. And then we send them to over 30 different mission field of work mission. They do such a great ministry on field. All the previous members, they're so, so happy to work with those people. These people basically compare with, I don't know about here US, but compare with the Korean church. These new workers, they are mostly, they are young, in their 20s, in their early 30s. They are still young. Most of them, they are single. She's more flexible to move out. Young than multiculturals. Not like only someone living in Korea or someone living in Vietnam or someone living in all in US, but they are more like multicultural based. And of course, multilingual, like Indians. Wow, Northeast Indians. Let me say, when they, wait, when they were born, they get their mother tongue, their original tribal languages. Then, sooner or later, they will be very much acquainted by the local, the area languages. Then, when they go to school, they use English as official language. Then, Hindi. Basically, they have four languages. Because of that, when, they, when we send them to a certain mission field, very, very quickly, they get local languages. Let's, for example, we send one man to Nepal, nearby in India. Usually, Korean people, when they go to Nepal, it took two years to speak fluent, in, not fluent, but anyway, to speak about gospel. But the Indians, it took seven months, oh my goodness. Seven months, he was able to preach. We call affinity block people. They are the right people because they are multilingual. And then, low cost. I don't know if it's the right word, but then low cost. Co Korean couple, just average, if we send out Korean couple, monthly minimum $3,000. But so far, we have sent out all of those people Basically, 300 between $500. Of course, that's not enough, but they can survive. They have very much resilience with that small amount. Low cost, we say low cost. Well, this is, I don't know how many of you know about this, but I mean, Asians, you are eating rice every day, but you don't know whether how the rice grow. This is rice field. This rice field is almost for harvest. It's ripe. But sadly, nowadays, because of weather changing, climate changing, in Korea, I don't know other countries, Korea, most of the years, autumn storms, we call autumn typhoons. It's sweeping to Korean peninsula. It was ready to harvest. But once typhoon comes, all the rice field submerged by water. Can you see that? Then farmers, their heart is broken. After water drained, you know what will happen? All the rice field, rice, swept down. 
like that. If you go that way, there's a two way. If you give up, or you can make a second best for harvest. There's a way. The, if once the rice, the rice field is swept like that, but if you do in five days, only in five days, no longer than five days, if you raise them up and uh, bound it together, supportive toward each other, like that way, then you can still harvest it. But if you go beyond five days, look, this is healthy rice grain, rice ears. But if rice submerged under the water over five days, what will happen? This rice grain become budded. Once it budded, this is useless. You can't eat. You can't send it to meal. This is finished. That's why in five days' time, all the laborers have to come and to raise them up and bound it together. Look, this man, this is a vast, vast field. Only one person. Can he do it? Can he do the job? That's why Jesus says, harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Needed, harvest laborers. This is current world mission situation. So, some other field, there are workers, dozens of workers, they come together, they lift them up, and then bound it together. But these farmers, where are the workers? Some countries, they are full, full of Christian workers, but some place, no workers. They cry for workers. Jesus says, Harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. This is what the Bible, it's not my word. This is from the Bible, which you read it every day. Not only given to missionaries, but to every believer. It's the same word given to. Harvest is plentiful, but workers are few. As a mobilizer myself, there are so many in between schedule, but major schedule. You can see January this year, we've been to Chechnya, Russia. February, Turkey and UK. And March, Indonesian mobilization trip. April, Philippines. May, Vietnam. June, Korea, in August, USA and Thailand. September, now next month, I will be having Korean Joint Mission Conference here, Korean Church in Portland for three days. Then straight go back to India. And then October, India and Indonesia. Oh my. And then November, Vietnam, and straight to go to Ethiopia. And then December and Kenya. Some people asking, why do you make schedule like that? Look, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. The more I go, the more the many missionaries, the many churches become aware of world mission. Well, he is, that man is me. He looks young, 
But frankly speaking, now, Pastor, did you know that I'm a 70 now? Do I look like 70? Thank you. But, but, night is coming. Night is coming. I can't be like this always. Sooner or later, my physical body is getting decay and decay. It's inevitable. And then night is coming, and soon no one can work. Look, Missios, I tell you, Missios, today, what Bible says, not only listening what Pastor you're sharing. If you look Bible, what Bible says, pray earnestly. Pray for what? Pray earnestly to the Lord about what? Did you know that? What Bible says? Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Pray about what? Look here in your Bible. To send out laborers into his harvest. That's your job. To pray to the Lord. To send out missionaries to overseas. Have you ever prayed? Of course, you are not going, but have you ever prayed for yourself? Lord, send your harvest workers to your mission field. Did you pray for that? That's what the Bible says today. Pray earnestly, not pray occasionally. Pray earnestly to send out harvest laborers into his harvest field. This is your job to do. Not only hearing when Korean men came and speaking Korean language and he was saying, no, that was not all. You have obligation to pray. Lord, send harvest workers to your harvest field. This is the mission church. It's your job to do, to do today. Harvest is plentiful. Workers are few. That's why we keep looking for new workers. We keep praying, Lord, help us to pray more so that you can send more workers to your harvest field. If I have another chance, Pastor, I can share next story. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this mission message this morning to us. Lord, not just hear and forget everything. But Lord, help us bear in mind. Help us remember of your hearts. You are really, really looking for workers to your harvest field. Lord, use us. Use us and help us to respond to your calling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Will you stay with me? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Pastor Yu, for... Uh, challenging us this morning, reminding us of God's word. Um, I'm reminded this morning that um, the gospel really is the, the hope of the world, that, that Jesus Christ really is the only hope that this world has, regardless of what country, what map, what people, what language you put up there, that Jesus Christ is the one who created them all, that loves them all. And scripture points us to the picture in the end that one day every tongue, tribe, and nation will worship and acknowledge him as Lord and as King. And so um, it was an honor just to hear how God has used you around the world to mobilize people and to point our hearts this morning to remember that, that he loves this world that he created. And there are people all over this world that need hope. 
um, we've been thinking and praying, Missio, in this season about, yeah, what does it look like for us to engage in the Great Commission? What does it look to like for us to engage in obedience to Acts 1-8 that, that will be empowered by the Spirit to uh, make disciples, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, that I was reminded this morning that, that Jesus Christ is the hope of Portland. And Jesus Christ is the hope of the Northwest. He's the hope of the U.S. He's the hope of the world. And so, um, Pastor, you thank you again for in coming in and lifting our eyes this morning um, to see Jesus as king over the world and, and what he's doing, reminding us that what we read on the news is not all that's happening, but the Lord is working throughout the world that he loves, and he's bringing people to a saving knowledge of himself. And we get to participate through prayer, through giving. And so, Missio, our application this morning is, is twofold. Um, you hopefully received an email where I invited you to partner with me and the staff team, the leadership, to be praying in the month of September. Uh, there's a calendar in the lobby, and there's a calendar that you got a link to online. And we're wanting to pray through the month of September. We want to have one person every single day in September praying, uh, fasting from something of your choice to do exactly this, to pray to the Lord of the harvest, to send out workers, to pray to the Lord of the harvest, to move among our hearts uh, and lead us by his spirit to discern where and how he's inviting us to uh, partner next in, in uh, the mission that God is doing throughout the world. And so if you're part of the Missio family, I'd invite you to do that. Would that be part of your responses to sign on the calendar there or click the link in your email? Pick a day. We're going to discern together. Uh, again, what is our next step uh, as an act of prayer together? Um, finally, uh, yeah, as we close this morning, the worship team is going to lead us out in one song uh, to close us. And um, as they do that, you're welcome to come to the table. And again, my invitation for you as you come to the table this morning would be, um, would you ask the Lord to remind you when and where and how you first heard the good news of the gospel? Would you invite the Lord to remind you of even a face of who that person was that had courage and boldness to share the good news of the gospel with you? And would you come and would you receive the, the bread on the table and the juice on the table as a reminder of uh, the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of your sins, the, the bread being the, the body of Christ broken for you? Um, would you receive that uh, in love and in worship and in gratitude? And would you also again begin to pray this morning and ask the Lord to speak to us as a community uh, where and how he's telling us to go, how he's wanting to mobilize us to share this good news with the world. So let's pray, we'll worship, and we'll do that. So Father, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for Pastor You. Thank you that he is your faithful servant. God, thank you for the ways that you have used him throughout the world to mobilize people on mission uh, for your glory and for your name's sake. And God, I pray your blessing over him in that rigorous calendar. God, would you protect him? Would you go before him? Would you empower him by your spirit to uh, proclaim the good news and to encourage and challenge your people to pray to you, the Lord of the harvest, because indeed the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Lord, in that same vein, I pray for your spirit to come and fill us as a church, fill Missio community. Lead and guide us, God, into uh, nearness to your heart and to your mission. God, lead and guide and direct us into where and how you would have us uh, go. God, for those of us in the last maybe month, you've been even stirring a uh, whisper to say go. God, would we have the courage to respond? God, for those of us that you're calling us to pray, would we do so? For those you're calling us to give, would we do so? But God, would you move in our community, in our church? Unite us by your spirit and with a vision in your heart for where and how you are calling us to participate in the Great Commission and in the command to make disciples throughout this earth that you love. Jesus, you are Lord over this earth. You are the hope of this world. We worship you this morning. Help us to walk in obedience to your voice. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.